Welcome to the Weekend Sports Cars Listener Q&A Show, Graham Goodwin. It's not a Flappy Gums episode where you and I just run our mouths about whatever nonsense. We have real questions from real listeners. Real, the realest, I might add, the realest fans of sporty car racing. For those uh, who are tuning in for the first time, we apologize. For those who are tuning in for the millionth time, what is wrong with you? Nonetheless, all are loved and all are cared for. Marshall Pruitt, I cover sports cars. Used to work as a mechanic and an engineer and a variety of other things. Team manager across many forms of professional sports car racing. That is Graham Goodwin, a person who I believe spent most of his career at number 10 Downing Street, I think running the UK or something along yeah, those that's lines. It, that's, and his, that's exactly right. Yeah, I'm very after, sorry. After being shouted out of office repeatedly, he <laughs> has just fallen to the depths of being a lowly sports car reporter, commentator, voice on many things that have uh, Le Mans series at the end of their series names or even the series that we lovingly refer to as Weckety Weck, the World Endurance Championship proprietor editor and many things are of daily so we get together graham for this little weekly jamboree although we don't get this done every week uh, but nonetheless <laughs> we're heading into the holidays uh for me it's christmas for you it's christmas for others it might be hanukkah it might be kwanzaa it might be many different things that would lead us to a very generic happy holidays y'all Big thanks to our friend Daniel Summersgill, who puts together mm-hmm. the questions for us when we do these delightful listener Q&A shows, Graham. And the final thing before I hand the baton to you, which is a word I'm using a lot this week on podcasts, big thanks to our ongoing partners, the Justice Brothers, makers of delectable automotive chemicals and lubricants that have been used by the Pruitt family since the 1970s. Ah, also... Cooper Tires, we're uh, rounding the final corner on our five or six year partnership with Cooper Tires. They have powered Graham many racing series, one's very dear to us and another string of shows that I do on the American Open Wheel Series, USF Championships, all those that have been powered by lots of great folks, including Cooper Tires 2023, marking their final season uh, they indeed handing the baton to another manufacturer, but a uh, big thank you to them. And then as always, torontomotorsports.com, who've been with us from almost day one, our original show partner. And here we are. I don't know exactly how many uh, downloads we're at. Let me take a quick look here. We're not at that threshold. I've been hoping to get to by the end of the year, but uh, let me see where are we at. 9.7 million downloads. Uh, wow. 9,717,641 since we launched this Marshall Pro podcast thing in May of 2016. So, yeah. Uh, hey, we'll be at 10 million here pretty soon. And thanks to y'all for making that possible. Mr. Goodwin. Yeah, uh, the same as uh, your uh, your thoughts, Marshall. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Whatever it is you're celebrating, however it is you're celebrating, whoever you're celebrating with, and if you're uh, by yourself uh, this holiday season, this Christmas, um, join us. Join us on, on join us on the web. Join us in 
just enjoying the things we're all passionate about. Um, but it's, as always, been an absolute delight through this year, as it has been since we started doing the Weekend Sportscast, which is 2018, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we started doing, just, we're coming up now on, what is that, our fifth anniversary? Something like, I don't know. Uh, I'm not good sixth with anniversary. numbers. Sixth anniversary. Yeah. But, you know, but it's, um, it, it's still one of those things that I do look forward to in my uh, ridiculously, ludicrously busy uh, calendar is just getting together with you, pal, and uh, dealing with the uh, the questions that come our way. Some of which are enormous fun, others which are a pain. In, no, they're yeah. not. Uh, and you know who you are. But, Stop doing that. You, yeah, you Stop know it. Who you are. But that one of the biggest delights to me, MP. It is a growing community. It just is. We're seeing this everywhere in the sport. More people coming through the gates. More people with eyes on whether it's TV content or social media content, more of you out there and taking an interest in the part of the sport we're passionate about. And we see that here on the Weekend Sports Cars, uh, always with new names against different questions. And as we said before, there are no stupid questions. Only stupid people who ask questions. That's one of my favorite there's, lines there's of that. all time. And, but granted, someone said that to me after I asked them a question. So I think that was aimed at me, Graham, but nonetheless, uh, hey, there you go. All right. Well, hey, we do indeed have a heck of a bunch. That is the official unit of measurement for the podcast here. We have a heck of a bunch of questions, and I am going to suggest that we start fielding them. And why don't I do that? I will hurl some questions at you like a angry gibbon at the zoo reaching around hurling things at onlookers yes why don't we open with uh, the podcast's official minister of mirth we appointed him so many years ago and he retains the crown no one has sufficiently challenged him lance snyder also one of our beloved volunteer track marshals corner workers so Thanks to you, Lance, for truly being an awesome person who gives a lot to the sport, along with giving us a lot of grief. He says, IMSA Graham has threatened to park cars for balance of performance shenanigans in 2024. And why can't the same approach be applied for on-track shenanigans? He says it's silly that you can destroy $750,000 worth of equipment he says 20 seemingly cars destroyed or badly beaten up at the season finale, Petit Le Mans, uh, getting a stop and eh, penalty while the hammer will come down for BOP violations. Why the big discrepancy? Ooh, this is a thought-provoking That's open a good show. question. That's a good question. I have to say, don't entirely disagree is the honest answer. Uh, a lot of it, it comes down to the difference between what was the intent and what was the actuality? Are you punished for what's happened or for what you did to make it happen? Uh, so there is a bit of that. So BOP, it, it is pretty black and white, isn't it? The values are there. Everybody understands that when the values are actually applied, then the reality there is that if you apply them, there is no penalty. If you fail to apply them, that's a big no-no. Whereas on-track shenanigans, well... <sighs> It's not always that simple, is it? I, I don't disagree that when you've had your race slash championship utterly destroyed because of someone's ham-fisted antics, uh, watching them get a, st- uh, get a stop and ten hold 
um, doesn't feel like terribly much like justice as you sit by your the wreck of your insert name of car. Um, so, yeah, I sort of see the logic, but I guess it, it, the same applies, MP, as to so many other things in life. We're often punished on two counts for misdemeanors or crimes. We're often punished. I'm not often punished for crimes or misdemeanors. I don't really do that kind of thing. But should have should have done them. I'm generally punished for the act rather than the outcome. It's not always the case, but it's the act rather than the outcome that that, uh, that comes into it. So in this instance, it is what did you do to cause the issue? If it was reckless or if it was clumsy or if you were yourself an innocent victim of somebody else's recklessness or clumsiness. So I guess there is that thing to be taken into account. That said... I'm a firm believer that what needs to happen with any aspect of motorsports, its rule book, and the, um, the enforcement of that rule book is one word, and that is consistency. There is a, you know, a, uh, a offence being caused. You need to make sure that that is made good as best you possibly can, and it should be very clear uh, what the potential punishment is going to be for whatever it is you've done. Do I think we underpunish in certain cases? I absolutely think we do. I absolutely think we do. I think the point you make around the, uh, what Lance says, 750K, um, you know, you destroy a GT race car, that's the low end of what uh, what you're going to be causing. And we did see that indeed at a particular model. We saw it more than once. I'd be interested in maybe a little bit of interaction with the teams, with the drivers, with the car owners and the rule makers to assess just exactly what the real world uh, outcomes might be from some of those, uh, those behaviors. I'm absolutely clear. And I think this is part of what Lance is, is driving at. That if you let these things go, it doesn't get any better, does it, MP? It tends to get worse. So I think as long as drivers, whether or not they be uh, the full pro factory uh, level drivers or the sportsman slash gentleman lady drivers, as long as they know what the potential outcome is going to be of those behaviours, then there can be no surprises uh, if the outcome of those behaviours are pretty extreme. Interesting th- topic an interesting concept here graham if you think about the high expectations placed on the series from its leadership and technical department during the bop establishment process for honesty transparency all those things you give 100 percent effort don't try and mask and hide any performance the car has and then we'll all get along fine. If you show during, and Daytona's our season opener here, if you show unexpected performance at whatever point in time, we reserve the right to bring you to pit lane and make you sit, uh, make you do a variety of things. Essentially, ruin your race. And so you have spent tons of money. You have had sponsors probably or paying drivers contribute a lot of that money done a lot of things this is the biggest highest profile race of the year and if you are not 
honest in working in the way that we expect during this BOP establishment process, threats are pretty big of how you might be penalized for that. Mm-hmm. I see a lot in common, if not almost no difference between, hi, we're running for a victory and I do things that jeopardize my rival's ability to beat me in the race through over-aggressiveness, through intentional acts, right? Could be wheel-banging side-by-side, making a pass at a point in the track where in doing so you leave no room for the driver you are passing to exit the corner (laughs) on the paved part. there's a lot of things you can do that fall into the category of demonstrate or creating a quote unfair advantage for yourself. So that's the essence of the BO, the new BOP process IMSA's mm-hmm. trying out and what they're telling folks play fairly with us and we will play fairly with you. But if you do not play fairly, we will put you on pit lane and ruin your race. I really do side with Lance here in saying there are acts you can do as a driver that fall well outside that construct of behave in a fair manner and we will treat you in a fair way. And yet you might have a stop and hold or something to that effect without it truly ruining your race and sending a huge oh there's must be a text from imsa to say stop talking about bop um there's not the complimentary huge embarrassingly public park and let's have a talk uh for bad driving behavior i do see this as darn near the same thing so i'm with lance uh hey coming out of petite where it was pretty crashy pretty nasty uh the the win the championship settled in a way that I thought went way over the edge in GTP, uh, and yet the whistle was yet again swallowed. Um, I, I like where Lance is going here. Why don't we jump to Geronimo Lazos? says, hello, motorsports Ooh. bandits. I'm hoping you're closing this year in a high note. It's after reading the dailysportscar.com piece by Stephen Kilby about... MP's most beloved words, BOP. What do you think would be the proper approach to BOP and WEC for 2024, particularly regarding what is called, quote, platform? We do use that word a lot. It's one of those we do. words that kind of, it sounds really important and it's self-explanatory. It probably isn't. Uh, and Geronimo closes by saying, may you and your loved ones have nice holidays. So uh, what do you think? Should a uh, weckety weck do the same thing imps is doing do something different uh what is a platform graham goodwin well the platform is the difference between uh the balanced performance principle that applies to the lmdh cars and the that which applies to the lmh cars and there's a equalizing uh factor in the in the calculation there that has long been a discussion about whether or not that needs to be reviewed in that well let's be blunt we did not see an mgh uh, platform car take a win in a single race in the fi world endurance championship this year balancing comment there is of course they were all brand new cars last year and the toyota that won all bar one race simply wasn't 
Um, what do I think should happen? I do think it needs a review, and I think that's what it's been getting. Um, I'm of the opinion, and I've expressed this uh, very vocally indeed when asked my opinion behind closed doors, and I have been, uh, that one of the key parts that is missing is that they don't explain decisions. They don't basically uh, explain the, the changes they're making from race to race, from period to period, from car to car. They don't explain which data set they're using to make those decisions, and they don't explain the difference that they expect those changes to make. My belief is if you started to do that, um, even to a limited degree, a lot of the criticism you get starts to go away because you're engendering trust in that process. I actually happen to think the process isn't that bad. And I think the proof of the pudding of the process not being that bad was indeed the Le Mans 24 hours this year, where the cars in the format, the form in which you would expect they were designed to perform at their optimum um, were pretty darn close. I think I'm right in saying every major factory team led that race um, at, uh, at Le Mans. And a car that had looked absolutely woeful, the Peugeot, for much of the year, and continues to look woeful for much of the year, uh, led that race for quite some time. So I don't think there's... And by the way, that was the race that, that, that garnered the most criticism for balance of performance. So I don't think it's that far apart. I think they've got a bigger uh, set of troubles from that process in Wekity Wek than they have for IMSA because they do have the four-wheel drive uh, LMH cars to deal with. And that, of course, particularly in mixed conditions, creates all sorts of issues. There are some proposals on the table to make some changes. I think people are going to be looking at two aspects moving forward, at least they should be. One is, will the field be closer in qualifying trim? in 2024 they should be they should be for two reasons one there'll be another year of development on those cars and two the powers that be will have an opportunity to take a look at the rule book the second part of it is that we should be looking for the racing throughout the season to be closer and certainly by the end of the season to be an awful lot closer uh, because by that stage everybody in that field will have got a car underneath them with the exception of the three brand new cars coming that have got two years of competition under the wheels that should start to close the gap with toyota of course who've had a, effectively a two-year uh, head start on absolutely everybody that and i know this is one of the points that stephen was making in his uh, editorial for dsc that for me is the proof of the pudding is is the bop fit for purpose to the extent that the, the, the development of the cars, whether or not that be unlocking the pace, and in particular, unlocking the uh, reliability of the cars, will the uh, the development of the teams, them not making dumbass mistakes that some of them were making in the early days of bringing these cars. We saw it with a number of them at Sebring, for instance, in the WEC, where just silly mistakes were made. Uh, those mistakes should start to go away as people understand the rules more, uh, in extremis, I would hope and expect that what we should see is the gap, and it's a pretty yawning gap to Toyota over a full race distance, that that should start to close. And at that point, 
everybody involved should be good and sure that when anybody, and I'm looking at you, my friends at Toto Kazoo Racing, you've been stunning, but for the love of God, please stop moaning when anybody gets within a country mile of you. That's not going to be good enough moving forward. Um, that, I think, is the other part of this, which is what do you then do to soak up the political pressure that comes? We saw it during and after Le Mans, and we we heard it in the background post Le Mans. Everybody signed up to this rule set. Everybody knows where the frailties can be. We need everybody to get to, to stay with this this game plan so that we can continue to to draw the joy that can come uh, from racing with this kind of depth. We've had reason coming into the holiday period, looking at what our content is going to be to finish off the year. Stephen Kilby and I have had reason to review basically what we looked at and saw uh, through 2023. I can tell you right now, there's a, there's a question somewhere in amongst this, this huge uh, batch that Daniel's pulled together for us. Uh, that talks about best race of the year and, you know, best. let's let's put cars on the table right now. Right now, I believe that what we saw in 2023 at the 24 hours of Le Mans was one of the very best races that that place has seen in its century-long history. It was absolutely mesmeric. You know, I, I said to Stephen, I'll say for the audience here, there was a moment sometime into that race where... I'd made my point on air uh, for the the uh, the host broadcaster. Stepped away from the the desk, took a breath, looked at what was going on on screen. I think we'd just gone back to green after one of the uh, the caution periods. It was a gang fight out there, and I took my headset off, looked at Anthony Davidson, and I think he thought something was wrong. Took his headset off and said, "What's he's, I, I'm, all I could say was." This is absolutely amazing, and it truly was. The depth of competition, the standard of competition that we had throughout that week, um, and for that, that race that was absolutely the heart of this this concept, at the heart of the system to equalise these cars, they got it pretty much right there. We need them to get it right all the time. That is a that is a weighty task. They need to be given space to do that, and they need to be given the opportunity by the teams involved here to just step off their soapbox, stop playing politics themselves, which, by the way, the irony is, of course, that they're complaining about politics being played by other people. We all play fair. This could be truly, um, I'm afraid, uh, soundbite alert here, a golden era in sports car racing. Uh, right now, there's just a bit of a crisis of confidence that we need to get through and allow people to take a step. I think a small step needs to be taken, but make no mistake, it's a small step. There is not a gaping chasm here. It's a small step in terms of the equalization. The bigger step is in terms of these very bright people and their fantastic cars finding the way to get the very best they can out of the package they've developed. That's that's the game. Less so than BOP. Giant step for mankind as well, Graham. Yeah. So there we go. All right. Where should we go next, my friend? 
let's have a quick look. Here's one from. We've got a lot of new cars coming this coming season, and it was good to see that the Lamborghini, the SC63, was up to speed at the IMSA test. Ryan Cavaniti says, "Hey, G G and MP, grateful for having us to cover sporty cars." Shucks. Do you think the GTP Lamborghini is going to be on or near the pace with the other GTP cars? Uh, also, uh, one here from our mate Gustavo Mbamba, uh, who asks, are you going to do the Lambo SC63 Tech Tour at some point, MP? I'm going to get you to answer that question first, both of them. Yeah, so Caminiti, yes, the car will be competitive. Why do I say that? Because all of the GTP cars have been competitive just at varying times in the season. So, yeah, this formula is one that does not involve crazy ambitious allowances in any of the technology or aerodynamics. That makes things easier for cars to be closer to achieving high-performance levels than not. So, yeah, should be fine. Don't know if it's going to be... uh, uh, Acura BMW Cadillac and Porsche Beater in its IMSA debut. But yeah, absolutely expect the car to be competitive before too long. If it isn't highly competitive right out of the gate team running the car while not vastly experienced in prototypes, we have indeed seen Graham many excellent GT teams step up to prototypes and do incredibly well. So I think on the Iron Lynx side will be just fine there. Was doing my best to get footage of the Lambo at the recent IMSA Daytona BOP test to do a GTP 101 on the car. And it was not heavily subscribed by media. And I didn't have a lot of, yeah. And again, it wasn't a huge media event, but Different than last year's, where this was yep. really and truly the the kind of global uh, debut of the GTP formula for all to see. So uh, I get why there wasn't as big of a demand this year, media-wise. But had a couple folks who were able to capture a couple things with their phones, but none of them uh, would be categorized as enough to do a full tech tour. So don't expect to see the car at daytona unless again it's brought and put on display but would probably be hard to get a a proper look beneath the bodywork, ryan in that situation but as soon as i am able i absolutely will and a very dear friend and i won't mention who but someone you and i know extremely well is centrally involved in that car's development and so uh yeah we will have a lot of very interesting things to talk about and show the first opportunity I can with that car in front of my eyes and my HD 4K 60 recording devices. So, uh, yes, both uh, both are in the mix. I can tell you, and I sent you a little preview of our first uh, 2024 Twisk show tune uh mm-hmm. there's a little sc63 edge in that is that now well that Ooh. just tells me you didn't bother to look so you're fired but uh yeah. is, this, is, this, is this on skype it is 
Uh, oh, what's that? I've only just seen it. I missed that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh? I think folks are going to like that one. Our guy, Roger Warwick, tunist to the stars. And idiots. Is, is that a new sponsor coming in 24? Uh, we... That should be the case. Uh, need to button Fine. that up, no but problem. this is a mock-up. Uh, so, ah. yes, yes. But, yeah, uh, good stuff going. Can't wait to get that video going. Uh, I just got to see the dang thing to capture my own footage to make my own video, Ryan. So uh, there we go. Uh, well, we're talking about, uh, just before we go into another uh, a another kind of question, MP, talking about uh, tunes and stickers, you appear, from what I've been looking at on uh, the social media channels, to be quite busy at the moment. What's going on with that? You're sending stuff. Are you on another charity drive? Yeah, yeah. I, I've felt I'm not a person who deals with guilt very often, uh, but I have felt genuinely guilty for most of the year uh, for having done almost nothing in uh, capacities of helping others and. This is not meant to be a self-service announcement, but it is charitable works and acts have been a very important thing for me for a really long time. And just can say without a doubt, this year has been a little bit off the chain. Uh, And so just finally finding some time to do some things like that. One of them put together what I hope is a fun little triple sticker pack of Rexy. Uh, the AO Racing Porsche 911 GT3R and its Le Mans variant in GTE. So, yeah, little sticker pack there. One is uh, holographic. One has a glitter border, which is my favorite. And then the other one is just a refrigerator or toolbox magnet. So, yeah, making those available. I think just put those up yesterday maybe. And uh, we'll send some of the proceeds to... And one of the chosen charities of AO Racing, PJ Hyatt, uh, Illinois, Chicago area, Gent, uh, Gunnar Jeanette, who's his co-driver and runs the team, was kind George of to people. send over. Yep, send over uh, their preferred charitable outlet, which is a uh, uh, ASPCA animal shelter in uh, Greater Chicago. So we will indeed be spending some money uh, that comes in on that beautiful charity there. Uh, and then, yeah, the thing you helped me and we got together, uh, in January at the good old Rolex 24 is, uh, a pretty darn large print using our twisk GTP hybrid tune from 2023, mm-hmm. uh, which our guy, Roger work was again, super kind to blow up into 18 by 18 inch by 24 inch dimension so it is genuinely big um it's printed on vinyl which i love yeah it's actually the same vinyl used on all the trackside uh banners and and advertisements and hoarding and whatnot at daytona so yeah but the fun thing is it's just celebrating the inaugural hybrid imsa gtp race and so our guy, Roger Warwick, did that large print for us, put the names of every driver from all nine entries, so the entire GTP field for the inaugural hybrid GTP race, 
signed by everybody. So I've got 12 of those. And uh, wife and I are going to send half the proceeds, Graham, to a local charity that benefits uh, military veterans, specifically homeless military veterans. That's called Swords to Plowshares. And uh, they do this pretty amazing fundraiser every year around this time, knowing that the weather turns bad and it's been raining like crazy, where they go out and bring meals, backpacks with uh, the goods needed for living, clothing and whatnot to homeless military veterans. So, yeah, those are definitely a little pricier, but, I mean, they're the only ones, I think, in existence where you have the entire inaugural hybrid GTP field all signed, 30-plus autographs there, so pretty large print. So, yeah, 50% of those uh, sales will indeed go to a cause that's very near and dear to my wife. So, yeah, uh, trying to pick up on that. So, so where, where, where can people get hold of these things? Because I'm sure that when people hear about that one in particular, they, that's going to be in demand. Yeah, uh, my social medias, uh, at Marshall Pruitt on Twitter, slash X, uh, Marshall.Pruitt uh, on Instagram, uh, or if you just if you have an interest, uh, the prints, not something that have an actual Dollar, specific dollar figure attached uh, the minimum for them is 250 dollars uh, okay. but if folks are inclined to pay more to lend more help uh, to swords to plowshares um, just a case of sending me an email marshall at marshallpruitt.com uh, and yeah so had some really kind folks do that already i think five Five of the 12 are already taken, so I just put this up late yesterday. But, uh, yeah, again, we're just trying to use the things that we have and the things that we love um, so folks can have something. Well, so you can have something you enjoy um, and also help to do some good, whether it's uh, animals at a a shelter uh, or real-life human beings who have uh, given years of their lives to serve us and who really truly need our help so um absolutely right yeah all right more, well more power to you mp oh, Let, let's it. crack on and thank you for it uh because not enough of us do enough it's it's something that uh, throughout all the time i've known you it's been a common theme of you giving something back um let's push on with some some more questions uh one here from nagarash uh Chinoy who says, on a scale from full privateer to full factory, where do you think Air Force's 499P stands, considering they also run the factory Ferrari program? Will it be run like a Jota and Proton, or will it be like a third factory entry run as a privateer? Hashtag me personally, Parakash, uh, says he thinks it'll be close to a factory entry. I think you're right that it'll be closer. The one thing it won't be is eligible for the World Championship. It will be eligible for the team's trophy, um, but it will not be eligible for the World Championship. Uh, so that is something it most certainly can't do because that's restricted to two cars per brand in the World Championship. Uh, but the fact that uh, you've got uh, Robert Kibitza and now uh, IFEA, or uh, to be more correct, as I was corrected by David Chang during the Sepang weekend at uh, the Asian Lamont Series, IFEA, because that is the, uh, the way around that it would be pronounced by uh, his home country, uh, now being announced uh, as a official factory driver. We absolutely expect he's going to be in that car. So the the reality here is there is a heady uh, sense of Ferrari factory around that effort. 
But there's lots of advantages, of course, there. One of which is they can learn about this car more quickly. They can throw strategy at that car. Uh, in particular, uh, strategy around how they best use the tyres, which is one of the problems that they've had throughout. I guess, if you look at it this way, there are going to be testing restrictions for a car in year two, but there's fewer restrictions uh, if you've actually got the car out there and doing the same mileage you've got your factory cars doing. So if you've got the ability to run it and the budget to, to run it, which they most certainly do, there might very well be some pretty extreme uh, benefits from doing so. It's just a shame, MP, that you guys in the States, aside from the COTA uh, race for the WC, are not going to get to see this fantastic car. Yeah, did get to see it act like a bouncy castle at Sebring, though. Um, yes. Yes, a, a, a vehicle that completed uh, the prescribed distance in the motor race in both horizontal and vertical <laughs> capacity. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, I know I've said this before on the show, but if we were standing at Sebring and we were both looking at the Ferrari 499 together and you had said the words, Marshall, based on what you see this car doing right now, and it's fairly disinterested relationship with the tarmac and being on it at all times <laughs> instead of leaving it and being in the air. Do you think this vehicle has a chance in hell of winning Le Mans? I would have said no. I would have bet everything I own on that. And I would be currently doing this podcast uh, from inside of a Starbucks and McDonald's using their free Wi-Fi because you would own everything that I have, except for my phone. <laughs> I'd keep that. Um, oh, my goodness, man. That thing was the biggest bucket of trash I've just about ever seen. Like the van wall. No joke. Not no hyperbole. The van wall handled more impressively than the Ferrari. And I realized the Ferrari was on pole. But again, you looked at it and it was like, man, this thing's a rocket in a straight line because it is a proto-turtle in the corners and it is jumping and bouncing and weaving. And like, uh, I guess it's inspired by the airport next to Sebring and it keeps getting calls from the <laughs> tower that it's clear for takeoff. Cause, holy cow. Uh, but yeah, hey, in a very short amount of time, I guess we could say the same thing, right, about BMW with their M-Hybrid V8, yeah. right? That thing was not replete with awesomeness upon debut, but in a very short amount of time, they done found a heck of a bunch of performance and good on them. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. We are almost 40 minutes into this little whatever it is oh, that wow. we do. Um, where should we go? Should we stay on this thread or pick up another should we do a little bit of hopping and skipping around like a newborn lamb you know um, let me let's do that uh i'll take this one because i have a little bit of insight which i know is what we're supposed to have on the show but that rarely happens thank you for accepting me uh ed joris says if honda wanted to enter one or two cars for the good old weckety whack in the 2025 season graham is there a chance they could get refused because hypercar is oversubscribed you answer that, think, and then I'll add a little yeah. something to the end. I think the answer is, I think if Honda came as a factory team, there is just about zero chance they would be uh, turned down. There's a couple of things to add into the mix here. One is 
yes, we've got other cars coming, but we've also been getting deeper into some of these current factories programs. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that a team may decide to withdraw their factory efforts or to rely on potential customer sales uh, beyond 2024. Nothing I can put in front of you at the moment, uh, but bear in mind, just because they've come doesn't mean they get the fact they're going to stay. The second thing to say is it's already been made very clear indeed that there is an active plan to expand the grid for the FI World Endurance Championship in 2025. That means for a couple of the circuits that we go to, uh, that the grid sizes are restricted, will likely disappear from the calendar and be replaced by circuits that can accommodate 40, maybe even more uh, cars. That, I think, is a good thing in this uh, particular scenario. And the growth certainly looks at the moment like most likely to come uh, from hypercar. We know that uh, Aston Martin with the Valkyrie are looking to come in 2025. The next most likely certainly looks to me like Honda. There's the will they, won't they, McLaren uh, possibility uh, yet again for about the third or fourth time now. There's the looming possibility that there might be something from Alfa Romeo in the future. Hyundai still in the mix in terms of the possibility that they may decide to head in that direction. If they do, it certainly wouldn't be before 2025. So there's certainly definitely potential growth as well as the possibility of some contraction from what we've currently got uh, on the grid in factory terms. As for what those brands intend to do uh, on the privateer front, I can tell you right now that there are most certainly active plans for at least two brands that currently do not have uh, the, I'll take at least two, apologies, three brands that do not have privateer cars running uh, anywhere uh, for that to become the case within about the next 12 to 18 months. Here's another interesting angle. Ongoing rumors, Graham. Rumors mm -hmm. being what they are, that would be unconfirmed, unsubstantiated. Again, who knows? Rumors can be thinly veiled truth to 1 million percent hot total nothingness of the intergalactic system. Honda exiting IndyCar, taking Mike. its vast annual engine supply production uh, development and administration budget and applying that to a weckety weck program that rumor is one that refuses to go away over here um i'm not saying this is some sort of okay i'm tipping you off to something that's going to happen it's not the case if it look if it was going to happen i it would have already been written uh yep. so but i'm just sharing knowing that many of our listeners are of the international variety might not know about or if they do give the least bit of a fart about indycar but i can just tell you over here uh there's a pretty decent concern that if we were to lose Honda from IndyCar, which they've said could happen, if some very serious changes or fixes aren't made to IndyCar, um, growing concern that for those who want Honda to stay in IndyCar, 
that that might change and that vast annual budget might be just the thing to go straight into funding a multi-car LMDH program in WEC uh, sooner than later. So uh, watch this space, as Graham Goodwin likes to say. Yeah, well, uh, that that's I think that's wise words there. And whilst we've got an awful lot of people putting together an awful lot of uh, potential pieces in the jigsaw, that's one that all too often has been ignored, but it shouldn't be. Right now, the FI World Endurance Championship, and for that matter, IMSA's GTP class, is very firmly on the up. And it's almost the exception to the rule when you get a manufacturer that says they're not looking at it. Um, so that that certainly should focus people's attention on what's to come. For me, I think we can almost guarantee, unless there is a major change in the the global financial uh, situation in the next 12 to 18 months, that there will be more than, than that which we currently know are coming. Uh, but we should, I think, balance that against the expectation that not everybody will stay the entire course. Uh, and I think that's that's actually good and healthy. Uh, but we will see where we go. Moving forward, let's have a quick look. Whatever else have we got here? Do you want some, to talk about that? We have some Ford and Prio and Audi-related fun. Um, let's go for it. All right. Flinging again. Kevin Kemp says, Graham, I don't understand why Ford got a WEC GT3 slot instead of Audi. Surely, mm -hmm. Audi has done more for the FIA and ACO over the years than Ford. Since you got the R8, the R10, R15, R18 versus the Ford GT. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it the uncertainty around Audi's commitment to customer racing in the absence of a hypercar program? I thought past loyalty was supposed to count. Don't you have to uh, give it to Audi over Ford in that case? Well, I was actually at Audi's end-of-year party uh, just a few days ago and can bring you right bang up to date with where things are. The answer here is they are still committed to customer racing, um, but the, the pro aspect of that is clearly something that is being wound firmly back in. You're absolutely right about the, the, the wording that was talked about, um, the, the loyalty, etc. That's loyalty to the current people that they've got. Um, the, the big problem there, MP, is there isn't space for everybody. Therefore, what they're trying to do is to be loyal to both the teams and the manufacturers that are already in the tent. And in fact, I think I'm correct that if you apply Monti as being Porsche who are already there, there is only actually one new team coming to the FI World Insurance Championship next year, and that is ASP with the Lexus program. And it's not dramatically different when you look to the European Model Series either. It's one of those nice problems to have, which is that you can afford to make some pretty tough decisions because there's a quite a deep queue of people wanting to come. Um, as far as Audi concerned, what's given them the gut kick? I think the, the, the shift in corporate um, focus and priority. I said, I said just in the previous answer. It's the exception rather than the rule. The people that say they aren't considering it, well, Audi, uh, uh, an organisation that said they were and then decided not to, uh, and indeed 
pretty famously had the chassis for the first uh, Audi LMDH car on the shelf in the back of a publicity shot for one of their other programs. It's not good optic. Um, it absolutely should not reflect on the very fine people at Audi Sportcaster and Racing who are doing all they can to support the fantastic efforts of their customers. I think it's to be regretted that we've not got space for Audi, particularly in LMGT3. But here's the point. We've not got space for Audi. Um, and if we did make space for Audi, who are you then going to tell that they can't come to the party? Is it going to be, put McLaren aside, is it going to be United Autosports who supported the World Championship for season after season? And not just the World Championship, but the European Series and the Asian Series. And for that matter, increasingly in North America as well. And the Michelin Le Mans Cup. And, and, and. Is it going to be that team that you decide to turn away? I think you have to see it in that context as well. You have to see it in the context of a team that has made it very clear they're committed to a future business um, proposition that supports the vision that the organising bodies, plural, have got. And in the case of someone like United Autosports, who I think you could reasonably expect would have been on the cut list against uh, Audi, they've managed to get uh, stuck in with the McLaren LMGT3 programme pretty clearly. They're aiming to be part of anything McLaren would wish to be doing in uh, the hypercar marketplace if that happens, if and when that happens. Why, in that context, would the ACO turn that team away in favour of a brand that has binned off their hypercar programme and that there is not a lot of certainty in terms of the commitment to LMGT3 beyond the current platform. And the current platform is based on a road car that goes out of production this year. And there's one That's, other thing. I think, the issue. Yeah, I think there's one other just glaring reality to face and accept here, Kevin. It's that one of those two brands really 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 wants to be in the wec not so much to sell a bunch of gt3 cars but as a factory wanting to reestablish its name in domestic and international endurance racing obviously as a gt3 model constructor and seller of those cars we know that this new approach in weckety weck adopting gt3 regs is meant to shed the purebred factory model we could also say that hey okay, we we get that but <laughs> you know there's there's still some factory strands here we could say for sure overarching point though we'll see what those trackside hoardings look like graham we mm -hmm. will see what activation and promotional endeavors turn out to be i feel confident in saying we're going to see a lot of ford and blue oval branding in WEC 2024 i would expect to see a whatever the amount is a pretty decent amount of money committed by ford to market and promote its activities in WEC at WEC events on WEC broadcasts etc etc i have no confidence we would see the same thing from audi at least next 
year. So I think there's the other thing we have to acknowledge. All the past, everything Audi's done, it is great. It should be considered. But if you're not doing similar levels of engagement, even if it's just through customer programs, but spending significantly with the series to help promote, et cetera, et cetera, I can understand why Ford would get the nod because we know that there's a much bigger package that comes with it that I would have to believe, Graham, was yep. a pretty big enticement for LMEM to give them the nod. So when you want to be yep. someplace, there's ways of making that seen and felt. And between the two, Kev, I'm confident in telling you that Ford has done a much better job of letting that be known, which had the desired effect. They are in, and uh, Audi is yep. not. I'll add just two, two more points to it. There are two other factors in the Ford uh, LMGT3 uh, factor. Uh, number one is proton competition. You, you said, and you said it correctly, they wanted to show loyalty to their teams. Proton have been a team that's been part of the FR World Endurance Championship from literally from day one. Um, and beyond that, the other factor is Multimatic, who have got a firm connection with multiple brands involved in uh, international sports car racing. Of course, they're involved with the, the Mazda program back in DPI days, but also building the, uh, the spine for the Porsche, uh, building the uh, Mustang GT3s, and building the Aston Martin Valkyrie when that one comes along as well. Yet this is an important partnership for this wider family. So they are looking after these deep uh ties to if you want to uh, the, the kind of the, the, the commercial family that supports this whole shebang so i get it um i like you i'm sad that we're not going to see the audi uh in competition but i think that came down to a numerical puzzle they could not solve i think it's that simple it is very sad uh, that we're not going to see the r8 lms uh, in competition in the FRI World Endurance Championship. We will at least get to see it for the final three races of the Age of Le Mans series in February, and we'll get to see it uh, in those three races, defending a championship lead that it earned with a first place and a second place. In fact, a one, two, three in the first race and a second place in the in, in race two. Look forward to seeing what they can achieve uh, thereafter. Uh, MP, how much longer have we got for this? Because I've got a radical suggestion to make. Well, if it means driving radicals, I'm all behind you. Uh, I would say let's answer something about uh, an old pony. Folks are wondering why he wasn't put out to pasture with the last name of Prio. And then maybe we answer one more question, a closing question from our guy, Daniel Summersgill. And then okay. why don't we jump into that radical idea, which is probably why don't we do the other questions uh, in another episode? But I could be wrong. I think the answer is that we've got a whole heck of a bunch of looking back at 2023 and looking forward to 2024. And subject to your plans with your good lady in your holiday season, I just wonder whether or not we find an hour uh, and do a second show for a New Year special. Hey, I like that idea. I so do. let's have a think about that. Let's okay. have a think about that. Um, so, well, let me keep throwing. I, I love episodes where I just basically chuck things at you because <laughs> the more I can hit you without going to prison, the better. Uh, Dave England says, with Daddy getting a new gig this week, which team is going to put father and son Prio? Is that the Prioses? Uh, possibly. Pre looks, please. Pre 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 
pre-accesses, yeah. the excessive post, pre, excessive post, pre-owing. Pre- that's what it is. <laughs> that there that is going. Uh, that's a new penalty. Excessive pre-owing, pre pre-oxing, pre pre-oxing, uh, pre yeah. Uh, uh, who's going to put father and son Prio in the same car in the same race first and says, thanks to both of you for everything you've done for all of us out here. In good old 2023. Well, sweetie, Dave, I don't know if you've done anything, but we do this. Uh, who's going to do that, Graham? Actually, an interesting one. If I had to put money on it, I would say maybe proton competition, maybe somewhere. Proton um, competition, huh? That, that would be good, good fun. Uh, by the way, here's here's a question for you: What has Sebastian Prio and me got in common? You're both secretly gingers. No, it's not true. No, the answer is that both of our fathers came from the Channel Islands. Oh. So my dad was a Guernsey man. And, oh. uh, obviously, my go. other pick so, was you're both com- cleanly shaven, uh, yes, head both. to toe. Yeah. That, neither, but that could the, be the true. Other, the, other point is, the, the other point is, of course, that uh, many people didn't expect either of us to be in a factory seat in 2024, but one of us is. Uh, but uh, I'm delighted, Randy. Uh, always was entirely focused. I think with any new car MP, and this is a very new car, albeit uh, a new car on a platform that's got some heritage. Um, and I'm not talking here about Andy. I'm talking about the Mustang. Um, I think with any new car, it's a good thing to have a few guys with grey hairs around that have been around the block on development curves with uh, these kinds of program. And that's, I suspect as well as the fact he's still got God-given speed, is why uh, Andy is going to be involved, not just in the programme as a factory driver, but also giving that um, development knowledge to some of the favoured customers for these programmes moving forward. Um, it's, I think that's a key part of, of, of this era, moving uh, moving forward there's a lot of people making changes between teams maybe moving from porsche to ford in the case of proton uh, there's others uh, doing not dissimilar things uh, in european competition uh, across the gt world challenge uh, side of things as well getting somebody that understands how you get things done quickly on track or off track is a very good thing indeed and I suspect that's one of the reasons why Andy has nailed in uh, another year of, you know, his career where he can say, I am a factory driver. I'm personally delighted. He is an absolute delight to be around. Uh, I'm sure Sir Prio completely disagrees. No. But, you know, but, but yeah, but that's what you do with your dad. Well, here's um, another thing that I got to admit, and I know – uh, a friend of mine at, at Ford Performance told me it was one of the uh, the reasons why – uh, took as long as it did to confirm Andy. I mean, you got, y'all got a chance to see that car and it's uh BOP testing, uh, in Europe, that being spelled Y U R R U P. Um, and that Ford Mustang GT three is a marvel, right? The engine sounds phenomenal. Obviously the, yeah. the multimatic suspension is just again, pretty crazy aerodynamics i love that big rear wing the the long uh swan neck mounts for that it is again from an engineering standpoint just phenomenal the thing that took them as long as it did 
uh, to get Andy confirmed, it took, I heard, three attempts. They had to go back to the FIA crash testing center three times to get Andy's rocking chair approved. Uh, so finally, wow. yes, finally yeah. got that uh, FI homologated rocking chair for Andy done and passed. Well, so everything is safe there. The, the little, the, the cup holder for his tea that is, you know, yep. finally strategically placed and homologated, uh, the nice got, little blanket the, to drape over candy. him. The sucky candy needs that as well. Yep. The, 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 the little blanket descends down from the roof. Yes. It, the, when he plugs in his helmet ID, that knows it's him and it lowers down on little strings. It is really nice. And again, you kind of see him rocking in, in the car while he's driving, but we love ourselves some Prioses. Man, okay, it's 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 back to the future. Um, it absolutely is. We just um, got ourselves uh, banned from Ford Hospitality next season, we, by we the all way. And it's total you, collateral you damage. Our substantial asses kicked. My I friend. said the <laughs> words. You pay the price. My favorite thing, Graham Goodwin. Um, why don't we take our final cue and show our A's uh, again here? Our guy, Daniel Summersgill, talk about safety car procedures because yeah. who doesn't want to close a holiday podcast <laughs> on anything other Happy than safety, safety car procedures? God, we save the best for last. Uh, <laughs> Daniel says, what is your opinion of the revised safety car procedure for the Lamont 24 gram? He says, hashtag yep. me personally. The uh, 2023 procedure was better than the old one, but the drop back came across as confusing and time-consuming on TV, well, having classes mixed up cause a greater risk of incident when we do go green. So tell folks what's coming for 2024 that's different, and then, okay. yeah, there you go. So the answer is, uh, Daniel's absolutely right. There's a change coming. So last year, they tried something different um, with you know a single safety car train and, you know, cars dropping back and effectively filtering the field into class order okay there was a lot of uh how can i put this gen i can't bitching and moaning about this and again conversations you know behind closed doors seeking opinion my, my opinion's pretty much the same as as daniel's which is i don't think there's anything wrong with the process whatsoever at all uh, when you dig into most opinion, not all of it, but most opinion, it took such a long time to go back to green. Yes, none that's that's because the the barrier was lying in pieces by the side of the track. It's not because of the process that had to be gone through. For the most part, that was achieved within a single lap. Yes, it's a long lap at Le Mans, but achieved within a single lap. In other words, the pass pipe, the drop back, the cars going around close to, closer to racing speed to join back onto the train, and then we could go back racing with the cars in order. Hypercar, LMP2, and uh, last year GTE, and this year would be LMGT3. Uh, my view, personally, may not be popular with those that uh, pay my wages at uh, uh, the ACO for the Le Mans 24 hours. I think they should have given this another year. Um, I think we... Uh, we explained as best we could what was going on, but the reality is people, when they turn on the TV, want to see cars racing and not behind a safety car. If you can see cars behind a safety car and we're explaining what's going on and it's it's not what they're expecting to see going on and it comes across as being complex, 
then that's going to create a little bit of ruction. So the, the answer here is we're sort of taking a step back uh, in not sorting the field. So Daniel's point has slightly failed, but I think it's well made. That can only be a backward step in terms of getting that field sorted when you go back to green. Does that include, increase the risk when you go back to green? It absolutely has to. You know, if what you've got is you go back to green and the fastest cars at the front, the middle ranking cars are in the middle and the slower cars are at the rear, then the answer is those cars are going to pull away from each other in pretty quick order. Yes, they'll tussle in amongst each, uh, you know, with, within the class, but the classes will separate and you'll then get to traffic in three, four, five laps time. In this scenario, you're going to have mixed class traffic when we go back to green. And yes, I think that's an error. That is my opinion. Um, I think the, the, the move that has been made is a backward step. I think that for the couple of minutes extra that that process actually took, I think that was time worth spending. Uh, a vast majority of the time spent at caution behind the safety car was not for the process to be undertaken. It was to fix the problem that it brought out the safety car in the first place. Uh, that's my opinion. Happy safety car, everybody. Um, it's that time of year again when Santa brings around questions about BOP and safety cars, you know, to everybody in the land. Isn't it magical? Happy safety car to you. <laughs> Graham Goodwin, so take I, us home. I will. So we will be visiting you again. Uh, so hang up your stocking and... Santa's little helpers, Graham and Marshall, will come and fill them up with good cheer and answers to questions about 2023 and 2024 at a date we will reveal on social media shortly. I'm fabulous Santa though, Claus, man. I can't be a little yeah, helper. I'm bigger though. than the dude, but I, I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for what's been a phenomenal year interacting with all of you uh, on all these subjects to do with sports car racing our passion of course thanks in particular to daniel summerskill always been absolutely on the button in terms of getting these questions together from you all and putting them in front of us so that we can answer them thanks to cooper tires to the justice brothers and to torontomotorsports.com and a massive thanks uh, from me and mine here in the uk to you and yours over there in the usa uh, marshall Pruitt. Um, you always amazing company on this, this, this podcast, even better company when I see you trackside. It's been great to see you again for the first time in too darn long, uh, during this year. And I hope we'll be seeing a lot more of you, uh, Daytona and then beyond that. Everybody out there, happy holidays to everybody. Stick with us here on the weekend sports course. That's what this was part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. And we will, we promise be back for a little bit more festive fun next week.